We want to talk about faith. We want to talk about um, politics. We want to talk about race. We want to talk about pop culture. Literally, everything, 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 everything is up for discussion, and that's what French culture is about. About, about, about. You are tuned into episode 13 of Brunch Culture. My name is Randall Keith, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ms. Lisa Victoria. What's up, y'all? All right, so let's dive right into it. So as as you know, every week we start off with our weekend review, which basically we cover some hot topics from this past week. I'll kick it off with our very first story. Um, if you guys haven't heard, it's some unfortunate news for unfortunate news for celebrities that use Apple's iCloud service. A number of female celebrities actually had new photos leaked that were in the cloud. One of the biggest names that has been uh, circulating with this is actress Jennifer Lawrence. Unfortunately, some new photos of her uh, have been confiscated by hackers. Hackers apparently have gotten some other actresses and big names in Hollywood as well. They have those pictures. I've heard that some of them have been circulated out, and um, on Twitter, celebrities are really kind of going in, basically starting a campaign in to protect those those stars that do have their photos exposed. And basically they're kind of trying to clown anybody that would put those out, and they're actually threatening. I know Jennifer Lawrence has definitely threatened, threatened to pursue legal action against anyone that circulates those pictures. So as an Apple fan, I'm a little – I was a little upset about it. Um, but one thing I was excited to hear – well, kind of bad for me to say excited to hear about, but it wasn't a breach in Apple – it was mainly that the hackers was able to get the personal information of these celebrities and find a way to hack into their account, which either way is kind of this is a bad, it's bad altogether. Yeah, I, 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 my thing is, do you really have to take naked pictures of yourself though? Like, can't you just look at yourself in the mirror? Like, why are you, why, or, or like he actually said on the Today Show. She said, if you must do this, take a Polaroid. Just buy disposable cameras. (laughs) Take a Polaroid or buy one of them cameras that give instant. She was talking about the cameras that, you know, them throwback cameras that give instant pictures. Put it somewhere. That way it's not not circulating through the Internet. Well, it's not as accessible as your smartphone. You know, and I, I know some people in defense of people that do take nude photos of themselves. I'm pretty sure it's to do things like to track your fitness progress. Um, you may have really been working on a goal, getting those abs or getting your quads to look a certain way, and it just requires, you know, the complete body to be bare in order for you to see those results, you know? But can't you, like, I just, can't you just look at yourself in the mirror? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you can't track your progress mentally? But what if you just you while you in the gym and you working hard and you just like man I just need that extra bit of motivation you can just wipe out your iPhone and pull up the picture and be like dang I want to look even better than this picture right here and you see the whole shebang right there no you don't think so uh, 
personally would do it, but Polaroid. You know, people, you know, get get with the Polaroid. Because <laughs> right here, this whole cloud thing, it, it's not helping. It's not helping anybody. Yeah, I must admit, I was not, and I'm still kind of not the biggest fan of the cloud. I think the cloud makes things easy and convenient, and, you know, it goes along with this whole all your information on any device, anywhere, anytime. But the flip side of that is all you need is one person to hack into that one device or uh, to hack into the the servers where the cloud, quote, where all your information is, which is our quote unquote cloud and yeah, you your information's out there and things that you thought were personal aren't really personal anymore. So yeah. yeah I, I I don't I don't I don't I don't think it's something we should be doing. Hair on the side of caution, get a Polaroid or if not, just don't use the cloud. Look in the mirror. <laughs> um that's all I'm saying. But uh, in in other entertainment news this week, we lost another comedian. We lost Robin Williams a couple weeks ago, but now we lost um, another dear comedian. Now, what's funny is I didn't really know that she was a comedian this whole time. I was like, am I the only person that didn't know this? Yeah, Um, I need you to know that John Rivers is a comedian. Yeah, I see... I thought she was just a fashion police. <laughs> and because no she was a comedian and she's funny, you know, comedians get passes to say different things. So that's why she was like the perfect person for the fashion police because she can say any and everything she wanted to and it'd all be in the name of comedy. Yeah, and she did say any and everything. <laughs> and the older you get, the the more you could say. And, you know, it's 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 like that. I think, you know, the old people get away with saying anything. Because what are you going to do to them? They're not scared of nothing. Exactly. And this is the reason that when people are like, oh, you're getting old. And I'm like, I'm great because one day I'm going to be 80-some years old and I'll be able to say and do what I want to. And people just say, oh, well, he's just old. You know, we'll, we'll give him pass and yeah, and I mean, time. she always, she always with the surgery, she always looks surprised. So, um, oh, Lisa, I'm not laughing. I am not gonna laugh at that. I, if y'all don't know, Lisa Victoria is ignorant. <laughs> we go back to people that are ignorant. Lisa Victoria is really ignorant. We just reported that this lady passed away, and Lisa says with the surgery, she always looks surprised. Yeah. <laughs> no offense to any any Joan Rivers fans out there. It's no, I, I want she her was, to rest in peace, but I'm just saying, she, <laughs> she's surprised in peace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no <Yeah>. whatsoever. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that on air. I'm but. so sorry. <laughs> this is what I go through. This is a complete segue from what we're doing. But this is the thing that I go through when we are producing and preparing a show. When we're preparing a show, 
I promise you, people probably think I'm the one that comes with the craziest comments and things. Lisa Victoria is hilarious. If you guys don't know, this girl says the most random stuff out there. And I'm like, Jesus, we can't say this on air. And so you guys are getting a a glimpse at what we do here at Brunch Radio. Randall edits me because I can't say what I really want to say. We have so. a show to produce, and Lisa at times, yeah, if Lisa gets, we'll just say a lot of people's feelings will be hurt. Lisa will probably have hate mail, anger mail all over. Lisa is hilarious. <laughs> very, very hilarious. Well, you know, let's shift from Jones Supplies to our main topic today. Exactly. Today's main topic. I can't I can't take you either. Today's main topic is entitled Organized Religion, Outdated or Nah. So it is two thousand and fourteen and oftentimes we hear that, you know, people don't necessarily go to church or people are not affiliated or acknowledge or represent or talk about their religion. It kind of is a taboo thing to bring up religion in the office, in a professional setting, at a happy hour. It makes people feel uncomfortable. And so there's a lot of different things that started to produce. There was an article that was out and it was talking about millennials and it basically said somewhere up to about 30% of millennials uh, don't identify with any type of organized religion and I know oftentimes you, I've met people here in the city and I've heard I've gotten statements like I don't really get into the whole organized religion thing, I am not into the organized religion thing, I'm more spiritual and religious, um, I'm not affiliated with a group of those religious people. So we get this idea that organized religion is not in. It's not the thing to do. So it brings us to this question, is religion in our lives, is it relevant? Is being affiliated with a religion, is it relevant to the young professional world? Do we need it? Do we still value it? Does it have a place in our lives today? What do you think, Lisa? Well, I have to state my presupposition concerning this. I want to preface my statement. So I'm a I'm a seminary student. I graduate in May with my master's in divinity. So mm-hmm. my whole life is religion, um, pretty much. <laughs> However, whether it's I so based on that, I would say definitely it is relevant in our lives today. Now, what religion that you choose to follow, that's a whole different perspective. I'm of the persuasion that, and I have my complete confidence that Christ is the only way. Christianity is the way to God. That's that's my belief. However, I am aware that my belief is not the only belief. Most religions offer and have an exclusive exclusivity clause so they would say that their religion is a true religion so what it what the problem is is that people 
who may come from a Christian background or grew up in a kind of, you know, we went to church here and there, they don't necessarily know all what they believe and why they believe it. And mm-hmm. so then you come to people who have a a, a a faith claim, and there's this is the thing. I'm this is the way I grew up. This is the way you grew up. And this there's this whole atmosphere of tolerance in the West. So I have to tolerance means that I don't challenge your thought. I let you believe what you want to believe, whatever. And then there's this idea, okay, if everybody's right or if we have to tolerate everybody's idea, then what's the point of picking a religion? And then what's the point of it at all? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If if everybody's right, then what's, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I might as well just be spiritual. I might as well just chill out and do my own thing. I don't really need this. And then we have to combat the hypocrisy. So, it's like, okay, this is what you claim to believe, but it hasn't changed your life, and my life looks a whole lot better, and you're you're nasty to me, and you claim to go to church, so why should I be? Why should I believe in your God? So right. it, it becomes those kinds of things. So then it's like, okay, if church is full of people who are hypocrites, then why? You know, wh- why do I have to? Why why should I um, subject myself to that? You exactly. Know? So I think um, to 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 answer the question um, of does it have a place in our lives? I think it does have a place in our lives. I think uh, a belief and a faith in no matter what you believe in, there is a place. There's a void. There's a need for it. Um, <laughs> in what you believe in. And I say that from a practical sense of we are different in terms of opportunities and in terms of technologies and, and new advances, but we're not different in in that we have figured out what life is all about. We have understood the meaning of life. People ask this question 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 200 years ago, 2,000 years ago, People have this question has been there. So if it was needed in the 60s and they didn't have the answer and they were still searching for it, it's needed in 2014 where we don't have the answer and we're still searching for it. I think what has happened when it comes to people believing and being associated or not associated, not affiliated with an organized religion, I think to a large degree it comes from a place of hurt. It comes from you have been told that because this is your lifestyle and you don't fit this mold or you're not like this person or you don't do it the way that the pastor does or the pastor's child does it or the way that these people on TV do it, you're not just naturally this way. People tend to go to where they're welcomed. And a part of people calling out your flaws and not acknowledging their own flaws or creating this uh, imaginary but very, very apparent pedestal to put them, place themselves on and to segregate you and ostracize you, it makes people not want to be there. And I think we see – in a, in a time where we have social media where people 
have a voice, more of a voice, more of an apparent voice. People can speak and can talk. We are starting to see that more people are vocal about the lack of or the disdain for or not wanting to be associated with something that has caused so much hurt in their lives and the lives of their loved ones and other people. So you have this space where people feel that I believe in something because I still want the questions answered, but I don't believe in that or I don't want to be associated with that because that causes hurt, that causes pain. And I think that's probably one of the major reasons that we see this decline or this seemingly this seeming decline in millennials and our generation uh, disassociating themselves from organized religion is because when you think about organized religion, it becomes very, it's kind of a very hurtful thought for, for many people. People only know of the bad things and the pain that it's caused. Yeah. And I think one of the things is there's this assumption that a loving God doesn't allow evil. Like people can't reconcile this concept of uh, God being all loving, all knowing, all powerful, and evil being present. And I think that's one of the things that, as a, a, a quote unquote scholar or whatever, um, that wrestles with that question. Um, how can a loving God coexist with evil? Like, if because when I I remember talking to some of my professors in undergrad, and my 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 major was communications, but I did a minor in religious studies in undergrad, and I did it at a secular university, and one of my professors was teaching history of theology, and he had a son that had Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. No, a daughter that had Down syndrome. And the reason that he, his heart had turned cold against God, he was once a pastor. His heart turned cold because his daughter was born with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't reconcile in his mind how God would allow this to happen to his daughter. And so this bitterness crept up in him. Mm-hmm. And so in a lot of cases, sometimes I'll be having a, a, a just a, a logical conversation with someone, and it'll shift. It'll get to a point where it's like, okay, you don't believe in God. Okay, why are you, what are your reasons for not believing in God? And then you'll, you'll you'll kind of present your evidence. And it'll shift from logical to emotional. Like there'll be a point in the conversation and they'll be like, they'll go from completely logical, completely, I'm talking about academics. I'm talking about people who got their master's and their doctorate. And it'll shift to, you know, logical thoughts and evolution and all this. And then it'll shift to why did my mama die of cancer? And it'll yeah. just be the emotional underlying thing that kind of pushes their doubt. Right. Because if God loves me so much, how can he allow this? Without understanding that if if free will is in the earth, the necessary consequence to free will is, is evil. You can't have free will without evil being present. Right. So you it, one has to, you. it's kind of like, do you want free will? Or do you want evil? 
do you want right. to be a robot or do you, you know, I mean, you could either be a robot, logically speaking, and not have free will, then have free will and evil exists. Exactly. I I think whenever I've been presented with that um, argument or that thought process, even with myself, and when people ask, you know, why does God do this or why does God allow this to happen? And I always am reminded that when sin entered into the world and when sin entered there, everything following had the potential to be imperfect. And so when we have these things, we have to understand that this is a direct result of an imperfect result from sin. Um, And, you know, it's really interesting because I think when the conversation shifts from that, when you have that conversation and you place place that um, thought process on the table, that's when you really start to go into faith, and that's when you start to really step into the realm of, well, do you believe this, or 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 do you or don't you do you believe in something else? Because I think that's when the conversation gets really hard, and almost it becomes a redundant conversation. It becomes something that you've discussed, and you can actually talk in circles and circles and circles. And at some point in time, it just becomes, what do you believe? Either you believe this and you have to go through your own process of understanding with some spiritual guidance, with some intellectual and academic guidance, but ultimately coming to a place of you want to believe and you do believe as opposed to just being like, it don't make sense, I'm going to refute it. Because I think at the end of the day, that's where the conversation comes from. I actually brought this um, idea up to a colleague of mine, and he had a pretty, pretty interesting response in terms of why it appears that organized religion is is outdated. We don't need it. He talked about it from the standpoint of what we see in the media and what we're brought up to see, and he mentioned, he, he made light of the fact that in today's time, when we look at who those people that are most famous or, you know, the characters that we see play, portrayed in movies or television or even on reality TV, oftentimes we don't see people that identify themselves publicly with a set religion. We don't see people become famous because they were um, saints or they truly believed in their God or what have you. We don't see people for that reason. We see people for all of the hoopla and the shenanigans, for the most part, as becoming famous. So it's something that's not even allowed in media terms. And as people that want to be relevant, as hungry young professionals, as people that are uh, working hard and, you know, in the city and trying to make their way and pursuing their career goals and dreams and being successful, you don't want to be labeled as the religious guy because when people label you as the religious guy per se, there's a bunch of negative thoughts and, and, and ideas that come along with that. So because of that, 
we don't want to do that. And I think it's something that we do subconsciously. We don't walk around saying, I don't want to be the religious guy. I don't want to be the religious guy. But in our day-to-day conversation, when we meet people, the things that we show people, the things that we expose to people, it's naturally not that because it has become such a taboo thing to exist amongst the young professional lifestyle and social circles. So I start to think, how can we tackle that? Um, what does that even come from? Is it is it that we don't see it in media, or is there more to the story? Is there other things that are there other things that uh, could be done or should be done, or that we can do to change this narrative? Because when I listen to older people, they start to talk about the older generation. They talk about ways in which we are lost and we've lost. And I know at least in terms of the black elders to the, the the younger black generation, they start to talk about the things that we're missing, and it's not a piece of the conversation that's had too often, but sometimes you will hear them say, you guys don't have relationship. You guys are missing Christ. You guys aren't connected enough. And so is it that, like, are we just lost, a lost generation in that sense? I think it has to do, too, with <clears throat> this generation wanting transparency and this generation wanting something different and this generation wanting something real. And not that the previous generation didn't want that, but I think that, you know, our generation sees past the facade of so much of what goes in church, on in church, mm-hmm. and we're like, we're over it. So it's kind of like, okay, you're telling me to get what's real, but are you giving me what's real? Are right. you giving me your real life? Right. So you can't point me to what's – you can't – it's it's kind of like a math problem. If I give you the solution without showing you how to solve the problem, I'm not helping you. Right. You know? And so you're telling me, man, I need Christ, but you're not showing me the formula. You're not showing me a transparent life that I can follow. You're not you're not showing me. You're just showing me your Sunday best. What about your Monday worst, your Tuesday blackness, mm. your Wednesday, you know, failures? And so right. I can't I can't function if I don't know your day to day. Exactly. And then I see your day to day because I see you at work when you cussing people out or when you nasty, like <laughs> you know. So, and then you're trying to point me to a solution, and it's like, okay, you're giving me a cheat sheet, but I, I want the how to, I, I want you to direct me on how to solve my actual problem. Mm. That's it's good because I think what you just pointed out was actually a really good point. So, because the culture, and and this is this is not something that I've done extensive research in. This is just something that I'm. I'm I'm making an inference off of based on something that you just said. Because of the culture of the previous generation was do and don't act, they were able Mm -hmm. to accept the fact that this is just how it's done and I'm able to pursue things simply because this is how my mom did it. This is what I told. Basically, I I was given a rubric for how to do things, and I followed that rubric. Our generation, mm-hmm. we have more autonomy to say, I want to ask questions. I 
don't like this, or I do like this, or I do understand that. And so when we start to ask questions, we don't get the answer from the older generation, perhaps because they don't necessarily know the answer. They don't know the how-tos, or they haven't even reconciled the how-tos with themselves. So our generation, the response is, I'm going to walk away because I can't get what I need in order to function in that space. I can't function in a space where there's so much gray area that I don't understand it. So I'm going to go function somewhere else where it makes more sense. Uh-huh. And where I can get answers. Exactly. Or I can, I can create my own answers. And so what you're seeing is a move towards something that's more so logical. And I know faith will never be logical in the in the real sense because it's kind of at some point you have to shift from reason to belief, and and that shift is a step, you know, into into faith. But I I will say that people are more inclined in this generation to sit up under someone that makes sense that challenges them that asks the why. Because I think that one of the things my professor always says to us is God is big enough to handle your why. Mm. He's big enough to handle your questions. And so this the generation before, like you said, didn't really ask questions. So um, it becomes a problem. Yeah, definitely. That's good. I just, I just want to throw in the fact that you mentioned earlier that image was very important and I think that's one thing that even for us that are connected to religion that are connected to a faith system in today's time one of the things that we get so clouded by still even today is this idea of image and this idea of you have to uphold this perfect persona and image and I think I just had this conversation with a good friend of mine kind of debate um, about a week ago in which I basically was telling him that one of the biggest flaws of our of our belief system and even other belief systems is that you have to uphold this image of perfection and you have to present yourself on a slate, on a platform as being perfect in order for people to buy into you. And we don't challenge the fact that these people aren't perfect. Now, should you be living a life as a hootlum and, and doing all kinds of crazy shenanigans? No. But should you be comfortable enough in the space to say, hey, I messed up. This is my flaw. I can connect to you because your struggle is similar to my struggle, and we can walk this thing out together. I'm just believing that that's, that's how it should be. Yeah, and I think the, the deception of it is the, the mask of perfection frees you from whatever that you're like bound by, but I'm of the persuasion that that whatever your struggle is or whatever your sin is, it grows in the dark. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't confess it, um, it, it, it has a way of growing. And so I think people should just be a little bit more open. Yeah, true. Well, I think that we have had definitely some, some great, great discussions. We kind of went in over time. We want you guys to get in on this conversation with us. We're going to be continue to have this conversation amongst each other. We want you guys to search 
the hashtag chat bc that's pound chat bc look look us up tell us what you think about us let us know how you feel are you connected to a faith to a, to a religion a faith base are you a religious person are you a spiritual person are you a person that don't like that doesn't like or like to be connected to organized religion let us know how you feel there are no right or wrong answers this is brunch culture we everything is up for discussion we talk about everything so we want you guys to feel comfortable to talk about it hit us up and let us know which what's going on with you yes and we want to move to our random topic random topic so today's random topic is a dude who has a lot of children. How many kids does he have on He has 34. I've been doing <laughs> research trying to figure out this guy's name. So here's what's going on. In Yala Van Zandt, everybody know in Yala's Fix My Life. She's fixed a lot of people's lives. Oh, I fixed um, it, God. Right. The basketball wives, the housewives. She went down to Ferguson to try to fix their life. That's a whole other story and show. But <laughs> in Donna Van Vant, the new season, which I actually thought was already gone because of the events of Ferguson, which further pushes me to believe that it was a publicity stunt, but again, we won't go there. The new season is supposed to be kicked off this Saturday, and and Yala Van Zandt is fixing the life of a man that has 34 children from 17 different women. Now, when I saw the commercial, I didn't know that it was 34 kids until I actually did some research online and I found out that this guy has 34 children. Now, I'm still, when I hear it, I'm still in shock, and I'm still hoping and wanting to believe that this guy really doesn't have 34 children and that, you know, some kind of way a lot of these are stepchildren, maybe some of these are nephews thrown there, maybe his best friend's kids, and maybe he's like a goddad to about 10 other kids. And maybe technically he probably only has like four, and the other 30 is being thrown in from somewhere else. That's just my hope. That's, that's wow, wow. You know how the old church people used to say Jesus would be a fence? Jesus would be a stroller, be, be a uh, babysitter. Jesus would be a vasectomy. <laughs> right. He should have had a vasectomy after thirty four um, children. I, I don't understand. I, I that's your whole check. Like he can never have money. I I mean, he can never have anything. He doesn't have a life. You think about it. When people say, Oh, you know, when I'm grown and my kids are grown, you have thirty four children to get through. <laughs> I mean, honestly, <laughs> and I met Even, some of them the same age. That's sad. You know, I just so the one thing that I I, I want to make sure, and I, I I respect. I started to think about this from his perspective, and I started to say, well, I will applaud him for being on a show that offers help. Um, I will applaud him for stepping up to say I need to and slash want to get help. I think that's a great great thing for him to do so i definitely want to acknowledge that but dude you have 34 kids i just don't really know how much help in yonder van zandt can give you um the damage is already done i I mean it's done 34 times 
Um, <laughs> there's 34 different sets of damage that's done. And that's not even going to talk about the 17 women that he is connected to for forever. And God forbid if they have children of their own outside of the children they have with him, I, this is just a cycle of issues and problems. And, I, yeah, I just I don't think anything can get any crazier than 34 children. That's a lot. I, I don't understand. I can't. I don't yeah. even know what to say. I just, yeah, it's a lot. I don't, yeah. A lot of kids. I just, I don't know. But, um, man, don't have any more kids. And I'm a proponent of abstinence. But if he's, if, if he's going to be active, he needs some birth control for him yeah. and the person. Everybody. The bed needs birth control. <laughs> the pillows need birth Everybody, because he's just fertile. So everything you touch <laughs> needs to be on birth control. I'm talking about if he shake your hand, you on birth control. Because 34, <laughs> that's very fertile. You got a lot going on. Uh, yeah, I, it's, that's a lot. But, yeah, definitely. And we want to leave you with our quote of the week. Um I got this off my favorite show, Criminal Minds. Uh, Being deeply loved by someone gives you strength, while loving someone deeply gives you courage. Loud and wide. And, uh, yeah, love is great, and it's great to give it, great to receive it. So um, we thank you for tuning in to Brunch Culture. You can check out all our social media links on brunchculturebc.com. Again, brunchculturebc.com. All of our social media links are on there. Remember to hashtag chatbc um, to keep the conversation going with us, and we look forward to chatting with you next week. And remember, at Brunch Culture, everything Everything is up for discussion. discussion.